Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Hi, this is uh, Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. Hey guys, this is Cam York from Team USA. Hello, this is Tim Stutzler. Hi, my name is Noel Gunnler. I'm Alexander Holtz of the Team Sweden. Hey, I'm Dylan Cousins. Hey, it's Phil Tomasino. Hi, this is Devin Levi. Major Junior. Looks back to the point, turns, fires, scores! What a shot! First OHO goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Bedard has arrived here at the Brad Center, is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save! Watch out! Watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Slash and Kosa. This is Don Gunther of the Emmett Snow Kings. This is Luna McLoom from UGarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Hey, it's Paul Stones with a two-fall stampede. This is Fabian LaSalle. I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Corson Kuhlman from Brooks Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Sandkoven. I play for the Camels Blazers. It's just Wolfis from uh, Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is the Pipeline Show. The 2022 World Junior Championship here in Edmonton and Red Deer gets closer. A few nations have announced their final rosters for the tournament. Canada and the United States camps have just kicked off. Another significant trade in the Western Hockey League and a lot more. Welcome to the Pipeline Show, everybody. My name is Guy Flaming. I want to thank each and every one of you for downloading this week's episode, whether you're a newcomer, a returning listener, or even a patron who has uh, signed up to get early access to all the interviews and things like that here on the program. You can do that at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. The program is brought to you by Wilhock beef jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. There are two locations just outside of Edmonton. One is to the South. That would be the original location. You can see Trent in Leduc, Alberta, or you can find Trevor in Spruce Grove. That's just to the West of Edmonton. But if you're not in the local area, then no worries. They will ship any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, and it will get to you. It'll be vacuum sealed, absolutely fresh, and fantastically delicious. When you have your first bite of Wilhawk beef jerky, you'll know why. They call it Alberta's best beef jerky. Place your order at wilhawkbeefjerky.com. And Wilhawk, for those who don't know, it's spelled W I L. H-A-U-K. So it's not like the bird. It's Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K, WilhawkBeefJerky.com. All right, let's get right to the news and notes, and we'll start with World Junior News. And uh, team looks like Team Finland and Team Sweden both have basically their, their final rosters. Uh, teams will be having uh, 25 players this year, three goaltenders, eight defense, 14 forwards. For the most part, I think you could if you wanted to have 15 forwards and 7 defense. I'm not sure if any teams will actually go that route, as usually it's like 13 forwards and 70, so you're getting already extras at each position as it is. But uh, Team Sweden is set. Team Finland is set. Looks like the Czechs and the Germans have are down to 27 players. Switzerland have 28 players, as do Austria. And then uh, the other four teams, Russia, Canada, the Slovaks, and uh, the Americans have not uh, finalized their rosters yet as they've got camps that are going on right now. Russia will actually kind of set their roster and then come over here and add the North Americans to the mix. 
add the North American-based players to the mix, that is. Uh, but news out of uh, Canada's camp, and unfortunate news for a couple of players, most notably uh, Jack Thompson from the Sudbury Wolves, who defenseman, he's been uh, lighting it up this year in the OHL. Uh, but he and, uh, listen, the Sudbury Wolves going through COVID protocol right now. He won't be able to participate in camp, and because of that, Hockey Canada has uh, let him know that uh, he won't be on the team. So basically cut before camp even starts because of being in the uh, COVID protocol. Another player in COVID protocol right now is Kent Johnston from the Michigan Wolverines. But uh, Scott Salmon from uh, Hockey Canada announced on Thursday that even though he won't be able to participate, uh, he's going to be on the team. So they think that he was a lock coming in. So they'll let him isolate and go through it. And uh, then he'll be ready for the start of the tournament. So uh, one player, Jack Thompson, ruled out and completely not even in the picture anymore. The other, Kent Johnston, named to the team, even though he's uh, headed into protocol. So we know four members of Team Canada at this point, all three goaltenders and Kent Johnson. And I suppose we could probably say guys like Cole Perfetti and Caden Gooley, the returnees from last year, they'll all be on the team as well. Dylan Grand was the third returning player, but all three goaltenders who were invited to camp are automatically on the team. Team Canada will be playing a U Sports All-Star squad uh, here in Alberta, made up from uh, players from uh, the University of Calgary, the University of Alberta, and Mount Royal down in Calgary. I think those are the only three schools that are contributing uh, players to this game. We'll talk a little about that a little later on the, in, the, uh, in this week's episode. Camp for Canada is taking place in Cowtown, in, down in Calgary. The CHL Top 10 rankings uh, for this week, coming into this weekend's action, because the rankings come out earlier in the week, I believe it's Tuesday, maybe even Wednesday morning, uh, I think it would have changed a little bit if it was uh, coming out today, but here are the top 10. Uh, the Winnipeg Ice, number one, followed by Edmonton, Everett, and Kamloops. So again, top four, all from the Western Hockey League. I think this is the third, maybe fourth week in a row. Uh, Charlottetown is number five. It used to be London, but they've fallen to seven. In between, the North Bay Battalion. So now the Battalion, the number one ranked team in the OHL. The Sherbrooke Phoenix are eight. Kingston and Vancouver round out the top ten. So five teams from the WHL. Honorable mentions this week go to Quebec, Mississauga, and Shawinigan. Now, the reason I say maybe the rankings would have been different if they were coming out today, Edmonton and Winnipeg met on Wednesday, both teams with uh, full rosters, although Winnipeg, it should be said, had some injuries. Uh, Carson Lambos didn't play in that game. And they made a significant trade, which uh, meant two other roster players were packaged up and sent to Spokane. Now, they're depth guys. They're not the star power for Winnipeg by any stretch. But the player they received, Jack Finley, is going to be an impact player for them. He did not report to Winnipeg directly. He went uh, straight to uh, Calgary to uh, meet up with Hockey Canada. He will only join the Winnipeg Ice after the World Junior Tournament is over, or if he doesn't make Team Canada, then he would obviously go there uh, before Christmas. WHL uh, Bantam Draft went this week, although they've renamed it to the WHL uh, Prospects Draft. Uh, now, I don't I don't know the Bantam players, the Bantam Age players, uh, until they're into the league. I don't, uh, I'm, it's a one-man operation here for the Pipeline Show. I don't have time to go watch and scout Bantam hockey. Uh, so I can tell you that uh, Berkeley Catton was the number one pick by the uh, Spokane Chiefs, but I know nothing about him. So if you uh, want to know more about the individual players that the WHL teams have selected, you should probably check in on their uh, on the team websites. I know 
most of the teams have interviews with their scouting staff uh, or their general manager, and you'll get some input and uh, feedback that way. But uh, Berkeley Catton, the first overall pick in the 2021 WHL Prospects Draft uh, this year. Top scorers in the WHL right now. Matthew Savoy has uh, hit the 40-point plateau. He's actually sitting with 41 now after 26 games. Connor McLennan, his teammate, his linemate, right next to him with 38 points. And Mikey Milne, also of the Winnipeg Ice, with 37. In fact, four of the top five in the dub, all from the Winnipeg Ice. Connor Geeky has 33, as does Kyle Krenkovic from the Saskatoon Blades. Uh, Logan Stankoven, Dylan Gunther. Uh, from Kamloops and Everett, respectively, have 32 points. Both of those guys now off to Canada's camp. And interesting, I was just curious to see where guys fit in if you looked at it from a point-per-game perspective because some players joined their WHL teams a little bit later this year. Other guys, maybe some injuries uh, had to do with it. But uh, So going by points per game, Jake Neighbors actually leads the WHL in points per game scoring. He's got 18 points in 10 games. That's 1.8 points per game. Matthew Savoy having that fantastic season with the ice is second, but 1.58. So a, a significant gap there between he and Neighbors. And Ridley Gregg of the Brandon Wheat Kings actually comes in third when you look at it from a points per game perspective. So uh, Connor McLennan is right there and then Stan Coven as well. So uh, it's just a couple of uh, guys who have, played significantly fewer games who get into the mix when you look at it that way. Those being Jake Neighbors and Ridley Gregg. Uh, Jaden Duro from uh, the Portland Winterhawks also uh, not far down that list. I think he would come in 8th or 7th or 8th if you looked at it from a point-per-game perspective. We'll jump to the OHL. The uh, top scorer is there, Brandon Coe, who was uh, just signed by his NHL team. The San Jose Sharks inking uh, Coe to a contract earlier this week. He leads the OHL in scoring. He's got 48 points. A teammate, Matt Vepetrov, who's drafted by the Edmonton Oilers, he's next with 42, so a six-point gap between first and second in league scoring. Rory Cairns from the Sioux Greyhounds also with 42 points. Luke Evangelista of the London Knights with 40, and Lucas Edmonds, the Swede, playing for the Kingston Frontenacs, also with 40 points. Roman Bazarin, former Kelowna Rocket netminder, is uh, he's got the best goals against average in the OHL right now at, at 232, playing for the Mississauga Steelheads. Bazarin has played 16 games this season uh, with the uh, Steelheads, and he's one of the reasons that uh, Mississauga is second in their division, fourth in the conference right now. So good to see a, a, a former Kelowna Rocket who lost his spot with the Rockets this year. Uh, finding a new spot in uh, Mississauga and having success there for the Steelheads. Uh, out in the queue, the uh, top three scorers all have gone to uh, Calgary right now to play to try to play for Team Canada. Uh, Joshua Roy from the Sherbrooke Phoenix with 45 points. William Dufour of St. John with 44 and Xavier Borgo with 42. Felix LaFrance and Xavier Simino also have 42 points. Neither one of them are on their way to Calgary, though. The Charlottetown Islanders are now in first place uh, in, according to points in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. They have a record of 18-6-2. They are the number one team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, in the West, you can make an argument for Sherbrooke because uh, with just winning percentage, they've got a slight advantage on uh, Charlottetown, but uh, they are the top two teams. Still that parity in the queue. Uh, remarkable this year, and I hope that lasts because that'll keep... A number of teams invested right down to the wire, and that's uh, more exciting for the fans as well. 
Switching to the CJHL Junior A Hockey in Canada, the Brooks Bandits still the number one ranked team. It feels like that's been a month, month and a half now uh, that the uh, the old Banditos are uh, the number one team in the CJHL. Summerside is number two. St. Jerome in, comes in at number three for the uh, Panthers. The Trenton Golden Hawks are four. Longueuil is five. Ottawa at six. The Cam River Fighting Walleye. That's a great name from the uh, SIJHL, the around Lake Superior. They are seventh. The Fort Mac Oil Barons in, out of the AJHL are number eight. Timmins is nine. And Estevan is ten. You can find the complete top 20 at cjhlhockey.com. South of the border in the USHL, Stephen Halliday, who was on the show, what, about three weeks ago now, I guess, playing for the Dubuque Fighting Saints, hasn't been drafted yet. I think he gets drafted this year as a 19-year-old, but uh, he is now sharing lead in the USHL uh, scoring race with 32 points. Jackson Blake from the Chicago Steel also with 32 points. Then you've got three other uh, Steel teammates, Adam Fantilli, Joe Miller, and Sam Lipkin, who are three through five in league scoring. But uh, good to see Stephen Halliday having success. He's got a Canadian passport. We always like to keep tabs on uh, those types of players. The Amarillo Wranglers have uh, retaken top spot in the North American Hockey League. Now with so many teams, 29 teams in the NAHL, kind of have to go by winning percentage. Well, uh, Amarillo has the uh, the best in the null at just over 70 percent. Maryland are uh, right behind them, the Black Bears, at with a 692, and New Mexico with a 688, Fairbanks 685, and the Springfield Junior Blues 673 winning percentage. Bit of a difference between the games played. Amarillo, New Mexico, they've only played 24 games, whereas like Fairbanks has played 27. New Jersey, who's uh, the sixth place team, they, they've played 28 games. And you can go down to St. Cloud, They've only played 20 games, so depending on where you are, we're seeing teams uh, get a lot more games in earlier this year than uh, than others, but we're trying to keep tabs on what's happening in the North American Hockey League as well. Uh, Cade Nielsen, who, interesting background on uh, this player out of Aberdeen in South Dakota, but he's got connections to Canada and to England. Uh, this is a player, I think I'm going to try to get him on the show uh, in the new year as we focus on the World Juniors right now. But 38 points uh, so far this season in 24 games. He is leading the Null in scoring right now. And finally, we get to the NCAA. And uh, top scorers right now in the in college hockey, Hank Crone from Northern Michigan. Then you've got Drew Warad, Canadian, from uh, Western Michigan. Crone uh, has 27 points. Warad has 26, as does Nathan Smith, who plays for Minnesota State. Canadian Owen Sillinger, who plays at Bemidji State, has 24 points, uh, whereas uh, Canadians Kent Johnson and uh, Owen Power, both with Michigan, and Louis Boudin, who's from France, they all have 23 points. Quite the United Nations uh, flavor at the top of the scoring race in the NCAA. You look at the top 20 poll, courtesy of USCHO, Minnesota State, the number one ranked team right now. It, it's funny how much this has changed. This has really fluctuated this year. Minnesota State was number two last week. They're now number one. Quinnipiac is number two. They were four last week. Michigan uh, stays at number three. Western Michigan is up to number four. Minnesota Duluth, they were number one last week. They're all the way down to five. Remember a couple of weeks ago, St. Cloud was number one. Well, they're down to six. So it's, uh, it's really fluid this year in college hockey. North Dakota, seven, followed by Notre Dame, Cornell. Minnesota is number 10. I noticed they have one first place vote. 
and I don't I don't know who is uh, placing the votes, but with a record of ten and eight, I mean they're they're one game they're one victory over five hundred. Somebody is voting them as the top team in the country. That seems that seems weird. Denver is ranked number eleven. Massachusetts is twelve, followed by Northeastern, Omaha, UMass Lowell, uh, Providence comes in at sixteen, Ohio State, Clarkson, Northern Michigan, and the a club from Harvard uh, rounds out the top twenty this week. Hey, this weekend only, you can save 20% off all apparel, jerseys, and socks and accessories at ProStockHockey.com. The promo code is GIFTGUIDE2021, and the way they've displayed it, it's all caps, so that might be important. GIFTGUIDE2021, no spaces. Uh, Use that at the checkout, and you can get 20% off pretty much everything. That's at ProStockHockey.com. Recently uh, getting in stock a New Jersey Devils player and goalie sticks. New sticks as well from Bauer and CCM Warrior. So check that out at ProStockHockey.com. They're your online source for authentic Pro Stock Hockey equipment. Now I do have three guests for you this week, and they will all join me courtesy the Troubled Monk hotline. And uh, if you're like me, you're getting a shipment of Troubled Monk before uh, Christmas, and you're getting it with free home delivery. I just got mine yesterday, as a matter of fact. So uh, I am all restocked. Thanks to the folks at Troubled Monk for that. You go to troubledmonk.com slash shop. Make sure you use promo code PIPELINE, and that order will come to you absolutely free to your door. The delivery is free, not the beer. And that's if you live between Calgary and uh, St. Albert, including Edmonton, Sherwood Park, Leduc, Airdrie, Olds, all the towns along Highway 2. And I got a couple of uh, flavors that I haven't tried yet, a couple of different brews, and uh, happy to say that I've got some Rebels Red. It's been probably two years since I've been able to get some Rebels Red, so I'm looking forward to tapping into that. Uh, but I haven't tried the Oktoberfest yet, which I now have, and I will definitely do that, as is uh, the House Hippo Session IPA, which I haven't tried. So I'm looking forward to those, and uh, of course I've got some of the uh, the classics, the favorites, like the Pesky Pig and the Golden Gates, the Bucktooth Belgian White, uh, Daycation, and Juicy Goss. There's so much to choose from, you can't go wrong. Troubledmonk.com slash shop. Promo code PIPELINE. The three guests that I have for you today, and uh, we'll go in this order. We'll start with a conversation I had on Wednesday. Mike Sawatsky from the Winnipeg Free Press. Uh, I I wanted to chat with him because of that epic matchup between Edmonton and Winnipeg on Wednesday. They also play again this weekend on Saturday. So I wanted to tee up that two-game set. So we we will, when you hear it, you will obviously hear about uh, how they're meeting on Wednesday. That part of it will be dated, and I can tell you Edmonton won that game by a score of 3-2. to two, But there's lots to talk about. We go, a, we take a deep dive, as the kids say, on the Winnipeg ice. That's with Mike Sawatsky. He'll lead off the show today. Then from there, we'll head all the way out east to Cape Breton Eagles. A play-by-play man is a Patrick McNeil. It's not a great season for the Eagles, but I wanted to talk to Patrick about all the players who are leaving the queue. There's eight of them who have been invited to Calgary to participate in the U20 camp for Hockey Canada. Who has the best chance to uh, make the final roster? What sort of an impact do uh, we think or what should we expect from them? Should they make the team? And which of their club teams is going to miss them the most? Who's affected the most by the loss or the absence of those marquee players? Patrick will let us know. And we will end it this week with a uh, player who is on that U Sports All-Star team to take on Team Canada this weekend. His name is Riley Sawchuk. He was a three-year member 
of the Tri-City Americans, ended his WHL career with the Edmonton Oil Kings, and is now a uh, one of the top scorers in U-Sports and Canada West Conference, and, and he plays for the Mount Royal Cougars. So uh, three guests to join me today, but we will start with the Winnipeg Ice beat writer Mike Sawatsky from the Winnipeg Free Press. He's up first here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Hey, it's Jake Neighbors from the Edmonton Oil Kings. Sawchuck. Here comes Neighbors driving away. Backhander scores! What a shot! Oh, Jake Neighbors backhander on the rush. It's 4-3 Edmonton. And you're listening to the Pipeline Show. The Troubled Monk Brew of the Week has a lot of character, but tell us about it. The Pesky Pig Pale Ale. Named after the little piggy that never went to the market, this super approachable pale ale has all kinds of citrus flavors, including huge grapefruit note. Player comparable, Matthew Kachuk. Always in the mix, and no matter what, you'd rather him on your team. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. That's Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Fights like an old lady. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The uh, program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky, and you don't have to be in Alberta to get it. You have to be in Western Canada, though, uh, but you contact Trent in Leduc, and they will ship it to you. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada comes vacuum-sealed, fresh, ready to go, absolutely delicious, wilhockbeefjerky.com. And we're going to talk some WHL in this segment as we uh, head out to Winnipeg. Interesting, tonight, as I'm doing this interview, it's Wednesday. The show doesn't come out until Friday, uh, but Wednesday night, an epic match between the number one and the number two ranked teams in the entire country as uh, Winnipeg is hosting the Edmonton Oil Kings tonight. Uh, and my guest to talk about that and about oh, those Winnipeg Ice is Mike Sawatsky from the Winnipeg Free Press. Uh, Mike, welcome back to the program. How are you? Hey, Guy. I'm doing great. I'm. Yeah, it's appropriate. It's the coldest day of the year so far, and and we're, we've got a pretty good matchup tonight, I think. Wow, we had freezing rain. It's like plus one or something here, but the roads are awful. What's the weather there? Oh, it's been it's been getting progressively colder since the West uh, CFL final, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know, it's minus twenty something today. Oh well, we know there's uh, worse than that on the way. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess we can segue from how cold it is to how how, how hot the uh, Winnipeg Ice are this year, and the Oil Kings. You got a real good matchup to watch there tonight, don't you? Well, it is. It's a fantastic matchup, and and I'm really eager to see what Edmonton brings. Uh, my last in-person viewing of them was two years ago and they came in and basically manhandled Winnipeg. Uh, it was probably the best checking for checking effort I've seen in, in years. It was, I mean, they were a phenomenal team two years ago. I realized that this particular edition of the Oil Kings has got more star power. So I'm really curious to see how, how the, the team is different uh, because we know Winnipeg is certainly different from two years ago. Uh, absolutely, no question about that. Nobody is scoring uh, this year like Winnipeg uh, has to this point. 129 goals for they used to have. It used to be a much bigger gap. Edmonton's got 104 now, uh, but that's still a pretty significant gap when you consider nobody other than Winnipeg and Edmonton has hit the 100 mark plateau yet. 
Now, I think early on it was fair to say that the ice, the schedule was pretty friendly to them. I know they started against Brandon and put up 17 goals in two games because the, the, the Weekings were hard. I don't think they were even dressing a full lineup and uh, some of their stars were uh, away or injured. But since then, I don't know if it's the, the, the rest of the, the teams in the league. Their competition has gotten better. They started to travel more, so they're uh, you know having to deal with road trips and stuff. But have you seen a difference in, in Winnipeg's success in scoring? Well, I think I have, and, and uh, for all those reasons that you mentioned, but I think teams are also really coming hard because they know that they have to, if they don't want to get blown out in the first period, they're going to have to really play well, particularly in the first 10, 15 minutes. And uh, and teams are starting to do that. And, and we noticed it with Saskatoon this past weekend. There was There was a lot better pushback from the blades and uh you know they stayed in the game winnipeg's goaltending wasn't great uh in the in the second game of the twin bill uh and that hadn't had an impact as well but uh teams are you know if they don't want to be embarrassed they have to come prepared to play and uh, i don't think edmonton's going to have that problem today well they'll be prepared i'm, I'm sure that's the case um now the uh the ice just made a big uh, trade as well the, the oil kings made one last week and uh, this week it was the Winnipeg Ice, uh, and that trade for uh, people who don't know, Jack Finley coming over from Spokane as well uh, as a seventh-round pick for uh, Chase Berthelot, James Form, and uh, a second-rounder in uh, that same draft year. Uh, this is a significant player coming in. I mean, he's massive, six foot six centerman. What does he bring to Winnipeg that maybe they were lacking? I don't know if they were lacking much, though. Well, I think the, the size in particular. Um, I mean, I haven't seen... Jack Finley play much, but uh, from what I'm told, there's plenty of grit there as well. And uh, I mean, they're planning to play him at center. Uh, they, they didn't have a shortage up the middle, uh, but they're planning to play him at center. And uh, really, it's it's working out though. He's not going to play in the Wednesday game, and he's going to the World Junior um, event directly there from from Spokane. Right. So we won't see him until he gets back from whatever he does with Team Canada. So. It'll be interesting to see how he is fit into the lineup. There's a number of permutations that uh, that uh, could be considered. James Patrick, the, the head coach, was telling me yesterday that uh, you know he'd thought about uh, pairing uh, Finley with Muir and Jacob Smallwin, who have been you know uh, part of the top nine all year. Uh, that would be sort of a big, uh, heavy grinding type line with. Uh, you know, plenty of scoring as well. So um, whether he does that or not, I'm not sure, but uh, it's something to consider when when Finley gets back. Mike, you mentioned the World Junior Camp, and it's interesting because Edmonton's got four guys going to Canada's camp. Uh, Jakob Demick will also go and play, uh, but he'll still be here this weekend. These two teams meet tonight and on Saturday, but the, the rosters are going to look a little different on Saturday, or for Edmonton, significantly different. Uh, Winnipeg just loses Carson Lambos from the current roster. We, we know Jack Finley's going too, but hasn't been with the team yet. How how motivated are the Winnipeg Ice with just with that fact? Because I think a lot of people expected Connor McLennan to, to go uh, and Matthew Savoy to be invited. And the fact that they're not, I would have to think that's a, a bit of a kick in the pants and a little fuel to the fire for Winnipeg as if they needed any more. Well, I, I I agree. It probably is. And I know that Connor McLennan certainly thought he was, uh, what he had done in the first half here was was uh, something worthy of being invited. But, 
Um, I would expect him to be play sort of at that high level that he's exhibited all year. He's been really on fire for most of the the season. It's been his, he's been magic around the net really. And, uh, and then particularly on the power play, uh, I don't, I haven't seen a power play this good in, in quite a while. And, uh, I believe they're still up in the area of 38, 39% uh, conversion rate. So if you're operating uh, that efficiently uh, at close to the mid-season mark, uh, you're doing something very good. Yeah, 37.4%. They got 40 power play goals, and that's coming into tonight's action. Uh, nobody is really that close to that. Saskatoon's next, but they're you know a very good power play at 25.7, but 374 is ridiculous. Uh, and now it's not just yes. McLennan. Uh, there's a lot of uh, skill and talent uh, on that Winnipeg team. Uh, Matthew Savoy is, is leading the league in scoring right now. Um, still co- considered a rookie by the, uh, the the WHL, which is kind of funny. But uh, 14 goals, 27 points. Uh, excuse me. 14 goals, 27 assists for 41 points for Matthew Savoy. Do you think there is this a surprise to him or to anybody that uh, that he is leading the league right now? I know he didn't have you know a, a tremendous uh, 22 game uh, stint with the team um, as a uh, you know as a 15 year old player, but um, you know he went down to the USHL last year and seemed to put it together. And this year he's he's taken it to a whole nother level. Yeah, I, I don't think it's surprising him. It certainly surprised me a little bit because I mean I watched enough of this of his uh, games. From from the USHL to think that you know there was a cap- there was probably an o- offensive explosion coming here, um, but he's he's had he's been paired with some very good players, uh, but he's also drawing um, often the top uh, defensive assignment uh, with with the, the opponent coming in here, and uh, I mean he's he's improved in in all kinds of ways. Uh, he's very good in the faceoff circle which he probably wasn't uh, when, when the season started. So, um, you know, he's improved his game. And, uh, uh, you know, when the season started, they were talking about Savoy and Geeky, you know, two 17-year-olds being the number one and two centers. And I think there was good reason to doubt whether that was something that, that could hold for the entire season. But mm-hmm. really, those guys have played uh, very well and, uh you know, they're, they, there's there's no reason why they haven't been able to handle that kind of workload. If there is a surprise player for me, it would be Mikey Milne, who's right up there with those others, with McLennan and Savoy. I think yeah, he's third in the league in scoring, I believe, uh, but has been up as high as number one at some point this year. I didn't expect that from him. And, and there will be people who say, well, it's because of those guys he's playing with, but he's generating these chances and getting opportunities because of his work too, right? Right. I mean, he's a top, top guy in the league. I didn't expect this from him either, but um, I look back to his contributions in the Regina Hub last year, and he was a good player, but he was also coming back from off-season shoulder surgery, and he was impacted by that. Um, We've always known he was a good skater, but this guy generates chances. He's he's really amazing on the forecheck. I mean, we talk about the Savoy... Connor McLennan, Zach Benson line being a top scoring line, really good on the power play. But the the uh, until Geeky uh, was moved, uh, was playing with Milne and Jake and Smallwood. That second line was uh, generating as much or more five on five as, as the Savoy line was. So, and a lot of that had to do with Milne. Milne has been is absolute murder for 
opposing defenses. Uh, he's a fantastic forechecker. He's uh, very, very quick to the puck, and uh, you know he's 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 turned out to be a really good line mate for anybody who plays for, with him. Mike Swatsky from the Free Press in Winnipeg is my guest as uh, we're looking ahead to um, well a couple of matchups between the Winnipeg Ice and the Edmonton Oil Kings this week, uh, but looking closer at uh, the play of the Winnipeg Ice. Now, with that trade for Jack Finley, uh, I got uh, messages from people on Twitter who were saying, okay, are they going to address their goaltending? And my question to that uh, person was, do they need to? They've got the number two and number three ranked goalies in the league right now, statistically. Daniel Hauser, Gage Alexander, do they need an upgrade in your opinion? Well, that's a fair question. And I would say no, because both those guys have, have really played well enough. But there's the, the counter argument that this Winnipeg team doesn't really give up that many high danger chances. And, and, and maybe we saw a hint of that changing in the last week, week or so, you know, uh, playing a, t- a close game with Saskatoon on home ice and then losing the next night. Um, I think probably a bigger priority for, for this team prior to the trade deadline would be on defense because uh, they've been hammered by injury lately. And, uh, uh, I mean, Carson Lambos hasn't played in a couple of weeks. Um, I don't know if he's going to play Wednesday night, but then he'll be gone to the World Junior Camp. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also losing Max Stroll to the Swiss team at, at Christmas time. So, uh, you know, it's it's been really a revelation with uh, Nolan Orzik and Ben Zelotti uh, on the back end, both undrafted guys who have played very, very well. But if you're looking for a way or a place where they they might add uh, prior to the dead do- deadline, uh, I would say it would be on D. And uh, you can be sure they would have been one of the teams very interested in, in Caden Gooley before he was dealt to the Oil Kings. Mm, yes, I was going to ask if, uh, if that was something that was talked about in Winnipeg at all. So with Gooley off the market now, is there another defenseman around the league that you would think the ice would be uh, eyeing? Well, I, I think... If for argument's sake, and I don't know that Moose Jaw is in a position to to deal their captain Damon Hunt, but he would be, you know, the the kind of player that would be really interesting to a team that is loading up for a, a title run. Uh, he's 19 years old. He's an experienced player, a very good offensive player, left-handed shot. Um, you know, he'd be somebody that would would interest the ice for sure. Um, but the price would be would high would be very high, I would suspect. Okay, I was thinking more like Riker Evans in Regina, but I'm not sure about the. the I mean, then you'd have to deal a 20 roll, and I don't know if uh, Winnipeg would want to do that. Hey, you got to look for those bottom feeder teams and see who's got a defenseman available, I suppose. Right, and and you know a lot of those teams still, you know, like Moose Jaw, believe they're in the playoff hunt and and are probably interested in keeping their best players. I would think so. Um, and then maybe things do change between you know now and, and the deadline uh, next month. Uh, I would have to think also with the the fact that you know all these teams lost money last year, even playing in the Subway Hub in Regina and and how the, all the other teams operated, everybody took it on the chin. Getting into the playoffs and getting as many playoff games as possible, I, I would have a hard time seeing teams who are even you know as long as they make the playoffs, they're going to make a little bonus money. So I would think. Maybe we see less trades around the league. Teams who might be in sixth or seventh place might say, "We we might not win, but we got to get that playoff cash." Right, and and I think you know the new 
the new restrictions or the newer restrictions on trades where you, you can't trade 16 and 17 year olds has, has had and will continue to have an effect on, on reducing the number of trades. I mean, when you think back to four years ago, when, when, uh, you know, a quarter, almost a quarter of the league changed, uh, changed, uh, home destinations, uh, uh, at the prior to the trade deadline, it was crazy. And, and, and they made, they made moves to, to reduce that. And I think, you know, it's hard to say, especially for a, a community owned team like the Warriors, uh, you know, the bottom line when it comes to playoff revenue is very important. Uh, Mike, I know you haven't seen the Oil Kings in person yet. What do you make of the rest of the uh, the WHL in the Eastern Conference that you have had a chance to look at? Is there anybody, in your opinion, that will challenge Winnipeg or Edmonton come playoff time? Well, one team that already has, and that's Red Deer, uh, they came here twice. They lost a couple of times, but both times it was, uh, you know, they played a, you know, for lack of a better phrase, a, a playoff type game. They got in Winnipeg's face. Uh, they tried to rough them up a little bit. Uh, they're a big physical team, and uh, you know that that kind of style, I think, uh, blended with the amount, with the with the talent they do have, uh, makes them a, a team very capable of, of winning in the playoffs against uh, one of these other teams. Yeah, Edmonton has lost uh, three times to Red Deer this year. They've lost four games in regulation time. I think they lost one in overtime as well. But um, yeah, they've uh, the the Red Deer Rebels have been uh, a challenge for sure. Trade deadline uh, is, uh, I think it's pushed back another week this year to January 17th, if I remember correctly. I know this week right now the the WHL Bantam draft is going. I don't know these guys that that are uh, eligible for the draft until they're basically in the league. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing you're probably in the same boat that I am. But the Winnipeg Ice, when I look at their roster, most of, or the vast majority of their roster now are players that they've selected and have brought along over the last couple of years. Uh, how important is the draft for the Winnipeg guys? Well, it's really important. And if and I wrote about this last week, I, I delved a little bit into the 2017 draft, which was uh, uh, the second last draft that conducted under the, from the Kootenai ice uh, banner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, ta- I talked to the uh, director of player personnel from that team, uh, Garnet Kazook and, uh, it was amazing to go pick by pick through that, uh, where he the nine picks he made in 2017, eight of them are playing the Western League, and uh, uh, four of them are key guys uh, picked in the middle rounds. Uh, Mikey Milne, um, Owen Peterson, um, Ben Zalotti, and Gage Alexander picked from between rounds five and eight that season. Uh, and really, uh, how often do you get top six forwards, top three defensemen, and a number one goalie picked in the middle rounds of one draft? It doesn't happen very often. Um, so they've been able to pick players like this and develop them. And, and really, it's it's the heart of this this roster. Um, you know, good 19-year-old players uh, in a, a year when they're expecting to win a championship. Lastly, Mike, I know when the franchise left Cranbrook, BC for Winnipeg, there was talk about a new facility that they're going to be playing out of the University of Manitoba's barn for a year or two, and then they'd have a, a, a fancy new building. What's the update there? Because I haven't heard if shovels have even hit the ground yet. Well, I've written a little bit about it, but uh, we know very little. We do know that uh, 
there is no publicly uh, there's no public plan for a new arena. Uh, the commissioner of the league told me uh, a couple of weeks ago that uh, um, that ownership is uh, considering its options and that there will be a new facility built at some point. But uh, but what the timetable is that we don't know. Uh, they and so they're going to continue to play at the U, U of M. Uh, for next year, for sure, and I would suspect for a year after that. Interesting. Are they selling as as many tickets as they did even in Cranbrook? The the U of M facility only holds about sixteen hundred people. Right. So, um, yeah, even if you're selling out, you're probably uh, you're probably at or what they were selling uh, that last season in Cranbrook. So, so the answer is no. Well, that just optically seems weird then that you would leave one market because you weren't selling enough and then you go to a bigger market without the building to uh, sell more tickets. Uh, seems confusing to me. Well, I, I, I think the plan when they moved was to have a building in place for the season that we're playing right now. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and I think that's, that was the, the pitch of ownership to the league and to the league members that this is what they were going to do. And I think the pandemic uh, has impacted their decision hmm. there have been other factors that have that have uh, delayed the building but uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with a building uh, or if a building actually gets built uh lastly before i let you go i should ask you about connor geeky because uh, i know you recently wrote a story about him and uh this high profile player for uh, the upcoming nhl draft i know daniel hauser and, and matthew savoy are also draft eligible but i haven't asked you about geeky uh, when Winnipeg rolled through town, he he stood out to me. Big forward, kind of reminded me a, a little bit of Nolan Patrick at, when he was playing for the Brandon Weekings. I have to think uh, this is a, a guy that's been impressive for most of the season for you too. Well, he's been good, and and he's been playing with Milne and Smallwood on a a very effective line for the first twenty uh, some games or so. But lately, he's been moved around a little bit. Um, yeah, he's been a little bit up and down lately, but uh, uh, he's a very deceptive player because uh, people don't expect him to be as elusive as he is. I mean, he's six, six five, two hundred and five pounds, so he's a big man mm-hmm. already. Um, but uh, no, he's that, he, he's uh, he's he's one of the two big reasons that uh, there are probably a dozen or twenty scouts, NHL scouts, at uh, every game. Uh, when when the ice are playing at home fantastic mike uh, enjoy the games uh, tonight and on saturday uh, with the winnipeg ice and the edmonton all kings thanks for doing this we'll chat again thanks keith that was mike sawatsky from the winnipeg free press setting up the uh, two game tilt this week between the winnipeg ice and the uh, edmonton oil kings game one went on wednesday the evening after uh, that uh, conversation with mike uh, we know now the edmonton oil kings pulled out a 3-2 victory uh, over the Winnipeg Ice, it was a very, very competitive game, very exciting game, very playoff-like uh, game. Uh, the Oil Kings coming away with the two points. Now they will meet again on Saturday. As I'm speaking with you right now, I did that interview on Wednesday, but now I'm speaking with you. It's uh, Friday. The Oil Kings are in Brandon to take on the Wheat Kings tonight, and then they go back to Winnipeg to play the Ice again tomorrow. And they'll do so without, obviously, some key players, uh, without. Jake Neighbors and Dylan Gunther and uh, Caden Gooley and without Sebastian Kosa. The Winnipeg Ice will lose uh, Carson Lambos to Team Canada, uh, but he didn't play on Wednesday either. 
He's uh, been a little bit banged up here as of late. Not sure what the injury was, but I'm guessing since he's playing now for Canada that it was uh, he was held out precautionary reasons. I would guess that's my assumption. And of course, they will also be without uh, Jack Finley, who won't report to them until after the tournament or until if he should happen to not make Team Canada, uh, then he would go to Winnipeg. But the two teams meeting again, but uh, Edmonton's roster certainly impacted a lot more than Winnipeg's uh, from uh, how they looked two days ago. Next up, we're heading to the east coast of Canada, the Cape Breton Eagles. Not a great season for them, but uh, play-by-play man Patrick McNeil joins me to talk more about not just the Eagles, but more about the, the rest of the queue, and specifically the eight players who have left their uh, teams in the queue to join Hockey Canada, compete, try to make that uh, World Junior roster. And if they do, which of their club teams are going to miss them the most? We'll find out when we talk to Pat next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Now off the bench, because Pelche, he's going to burst to speed. Pelche, he This is Jacob Pelty of the Moncton Wildcats, and you're listening to Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand score! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. And Johnny Gaudreau were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Comes around, it's all around. Don't you mean what's all around comes around, Ricky? Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Of course, the program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Turkey. That's Alberta's best beef turkey. Unfortunately, my next guest can't get it as far east as he is. As we're going all the way to the east coast. And Patrick McNeil is the voice of the Cape Breton Eagles. I almost said Screaming Eagles, but uh, it's, it's, it hasn't, they haven't been screaming for a couple of years now, right, Patrick? Uh, when did the name change officially come together? Was, before, was it the season that ended with COVID? That's right, 2019, yeah. 2020, and it's it's funny how quickly it turns over. I think the math is there's only six former Screaming Eagles in the league, and there's another player who won, won played one game as an affiliate, and none of them are playing here. Wow! So we actually don't have any former Screaming Eagles on our own team, so it turns over pretty quick in Major Junior. It's going to be soon a distant memory. Wow. Well, I appreciate you making the time. Uh, we're going to talk about the World Junior Camp and uh, all the uh, players from the queue that are off to uh, try to make uh, Team Canada, and uh, maybe some of the other guys who we'll, we'll see in the tournament as well, playing for other countries. Uh, but let's start with uh, what's happening in the queue right now. And unfortunately, not much good is happening for the Cape Breton Eagles. I see they're dead last right now uh, in the league. What's gone wrong? Was this expected? Did we know this was going to be a you know a, a development year for the Eagles? Yeah, a little bit. One thing that the Eagles did last year, they knew last year was going to be a rough year too and decided to part ways with some veteran players. And a lot of those trades were future consideration deals that saw 20-year-olds come here this year. And unfortunately, we've had a lot of injuries there. So Nicholas Sherrard is a bit of a natural goal scorer, came over from St. John. He's barely played. I think he's played 10 games. 
the new captain, Sean LaRochelle, who won the President's Cup last year with Victoriaville, missed substantial time as well. Now, obviously, that doesn't explain all of it, but it was expected to be a rebuilding year. And if you're missing veterans in a year when you're rebuilding, well, that can be pretty tough. And it's been an interesting last little while for the Eagles because we had the one of the rarest situations I've seen in the queue I'm not sure when people will hear this, but it would have been last Thursday, my time, in which you had two teams playing each other that were each playing with a new head coach because the Eagles played at Bathurst, and Bathurst was expected to be one of the favorites this year in the queue, and they kind of stumbled, and they decided to make a coach change. And then the big story here in Cape Breton was Jake Crimes, who was in his third season as head coach, had left the team for personal reasons. As you can imagine, a lot of people have been asking about that, and I don't know anything in terms of the inside info there. So uh, Matt Anthony was put in as the assistant coach, was the assistant coach, put in as interim head coach. So the Eagles won the first game of a odd three-game set between the two teams in overtime, and then Bathurst, unfortunately, came up with some pretty big wins after. So perhaps they're on track after their rough start. But it was expected to be a bit of a rough year in Cape Breton, maybe going a little bit rougher at the current time than was expected, but lots of hockey left to be played, but certainly a rebuilding year here for the Eagles. I imagine there's been a few bright spots along the way, uh, things for Eagle fans to be excited about for next season and beyond. Yeah, the team did have some uh, high picks this year, had a first-round pick. They actually had the number two pick in the draft, which was traded away, but number eight pick was Emil Perron. You know, he's been inconsistent, as you'd expect, for a defenseman at 16, but what was good to see is he was the captain of his team at the World Under-17s. Cam Squires was picked in the second round, and, you know, he's not lighting the league on fire or anything, but he looks like he's going to be a good forward in this league. And you know, in terms of the older players, I mentioned Sean LaRochelle has been good when he's been in the lineup. But Ivan Ivan actually is in the top 25 in league scoring, and that'll probably tie into something we're going to talk a little bit about later. Is for whatever reason that Europeans are not exerting their dominance in the queue like we're usually seeing. So Ivan is actually tied for the top import score, and usually that would have you higher up on the leaderboard. But we have enjoyed watching him play, so he's probably going to be off to Team Czech Republic. So those are a couple of the highlights that we've seen. And, of course, just for everybody in the queue, it's been nice to get back to playing everybody. I know you had Mike Sanderson on earlier in the year. He might have explained the ins and outs, but the the TLDR version is the second half of last year. We only saw Charlottetown and Halifax, so it's been nice to see all the other teams around the league this year for sure. Yeah, is it basically like are we back 100% to operating as business as usual, including attendance and things like that throughout the queue, or are, are some areas maybe still, I know like in BC, the interior of BC, so Kamloops and Kelowna, they finally were allowed uh, just recently to um, go 100% capacity. Uh, what's it like in the queue? Yeah, as far as I know, there's no restrictions at all in terms of how many sick tickets you can sell. I think some of the Quebec markets were fighting that right up until the beginning of the season. But if there are any restrictions in terms of the number of seats you can sell, it's minimal. Of course, it's not normal in the sense that attendance is down everywhere, and that's not a secret. The one exception in the queue is Gatineau, because they opened up the new Slush Puppy Center there, right. which is their new arena. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. So they're up. And, you know, some teams are getting hurt more than others. And obviously, in Cape Breton, it's hurting us because we're not having a successful season on the ice. But in terms of what you can actually do, obviously, the mask mandates are still in place when you're you know, if you're unless you're sitting down and eating, then you're not wearing a mask. But otherwise, you're wearing a mask. But you can at least walk around and talk to other people in the rink, which is nice. So that kind of atmosphere is is noticeably a little bit better, even if you're not quite fully there in terms of support yet. But no restrictions on terms of uh, seat sales. So you know, it's nice to see two uh, families coming to games again and seeing their 
you know, their kids playing, making road trips and whatnot. So uh, it's definitely a lot more normal than what we saw last year. That's for sure. Lastly, with the Q, uh, just looking at the standings and is something I, again I mentioned there. I, would, I was talking with uh, with uh, Mike Sanderson about is the parity in the league this year is it's unreal. Uh, right now, looking at the standings as we're speaking, it's Wednesday. Sherbrooke is in first place overall with 37 points, but they're 10 points ahead of 13th place Ramuska. I mean that's that's a lot of teams in between, and uh, if a team could go on a three or four game heater. Uh, suddenly you vault way up the standings. It's It seems like uh, there's a lot of parity, and to me that's really good to see in a league because it keeps all the teams involved and all the fans excited. Absolutely, and it's a bit uncharacteristic in the queue, which yeah. tends to be a bit more of a crash and burn league. I think maybe the two reasons for that, I, I haven't fully studied the OHL and WHL standings to see what's going on over there, but obviously last year, even though there was a champion crown in the queue, you still didn't really fully know what you had. Mm-hmm. And even before last year's kind of strange season, I think everybody knew that for whatever reason, the, the 2002 age group wasn't necessarily the strongest in the QMJHL. So that might be kind of playing some weird tricks uh, on the eyes of the league. Whereas unfortunately we lost last year because the old ones was a pretty strong group. So I know there's going to be exceptions. Like if you look at the leading scores in the league, you'll see guys like William Dufour near the top that are, that are O twos, but that could be something that's playing with that too. And I think even heading into the year, there's, kind of i know most people had a pencil as a big five so to speak that we're going to be contending which was bathurst charlottetown st john quebec and shawinigan and it's interesting to see sherbrooke is atop the league but what you're going on what you were just talking about in terms of the parity it's true because you've seen with teams going on streaks up or down there's been a lot of movement throughout the year you look at a team like ruin noranda that was considered one of the surprises earlier in the year they lose a few games they drop down same thing with ramuski you look at shakutami has a positive streak they go up Moncton's been up and down. Those are some of the teams that were kind of surprising. Sherbrooke, I think, is the one team of the teams that weren't expected to win. When you're watching them at this point of the year, you're like, okay, well, maybe these guys are for real, but it's going to be pretty interesting to see how teams juggle all that come trade period because you know there's some teams that are for sure contenders and some that aren't, but there's a lot of questions that still haven't been answered when they usually are at this time of the year. Patrick McNeil is the voice of the Cape Breton Eagles. He's my uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League insider on this week's episode of the program. All right, let's shift gears to the World Junior Championship uh, here in Edmonton and uh, a little bit south in Red Deer. Team Canada gets going this weekend with their camp, and I believe there's uh, eight players from the queue who have been invited, seven different teams represented, uh, and most of them are forwards. There's only one defenseman coming from the queue. That's Lucas Cormier and no goaltenders. Of those teams that are are losing some guys for a little while and maybe a month if they make the team, which club is affected most by the absence uh, of their star player? Well, I'd say Shawinigan, although it's not going to be any uncharted territory for them because they have the two forwards going, Maverick Bork and Xavier Borgo. Hockey Canada is probably very happy that Maverick Bork is there because he actually just came back from injury. Of course, he missed the start of the year because he stuck around in Dallas for a while. And then when he just came back from injury last week, Two four-point games right off the hop, so welcome back to the queue. So both he and Xavier Borgo being out is obviously a big loss to Shawinigan. St. John was one of those teams, they're hosting the Memorial Cup this year, and they were really inconsistent to start the year. They were kind of living and dying by the line with William Dufour, Josh Lawrence, and Brady Burns, and now Dufour is going off to the World Juniors, but... You know, they've kind of straightened the ship. Part of that, I think, was when Ryan Francis came back, and they just recently found out that Jan Kuznetsov is going to be there. But I, I assume, I haven't fully checked into Russia's roster. I know not all the teams have made that public yet, but I would think that Kuznetsov is going to be playing for Team Russia. So need to wait a while for him to really assert himself on the blue line. But 
uh, Lucas Cormier is obviously a big loss in Charlotte. And all, it all comes down to which guys you think have the best chance of making the team. Now, the last couple of years, Q representation on Hockey Canada hasn't been really extensive. And obviously, there's the fact that they were able to have success at the U18 level last year when they didn't have any of the Quebec players there. But, you know, I personally would expect where Hendricks Lapierre started in the NHL for Bathurst, he's going to obviously push for a spot. Cormier, to me, is the best D in the queue. So he's going to be somebody that's pushing for a spot as well. Maverick Bork from Shawinigan. And hopefully, all these guys get a good look. But in terms of what's going to hurt teams the most, you're showing and losing two guys basically hurts them. Charlottetown not having Cormier is going to be a big loss because they also recently just found out that forward Xavier Simono might be out for a little while. So that's a bit of a double whammy for them. So as you know, I'm sure it's the same in the WHL. Things can get a little bit wonky during the World Juniors because players are missing. Now, it's interesting. I talked about this earlier for whatever reason that the imports aren't dominating the scoring race like they usually are. So you're not seeing teams really missing their imports as much. I haven't had the chance to see Sherbrooke this year, but I'm sure a guy like David Spashak being out on the blue line is going to hurt them. Son of Yaroslav Spashak, who I'm sure fans remember watching in the NHL. You know, we'll miss a guy like Ivan Ivan, but for the most part, it is the Canadian stars that are going to be missed the most at the World Juniors, and hopefully we'll be missing them a little bit longer because I'd like to see some of those Q guys make Hockey Canada this year. Well, as I mentioned, eight from the Q invited to Team Canada. Six of them are uh, 2002-born players, so the 19-year-olds, and they have traditionally the better chance of of cracking the roster as it's a an older tournament uh, for for Canada for the most part although there's a 17 and a 16 year old invited this year uh, but the two um, uh, 03 players Zach Dean and Joshua Roa both having good seasons especially Roa do you see either one of them making this team or they're eligible again next year so if they don't make it this year they could uh, next year do you think uh, they have a shot this like a realistic shot this year or, or are they here to get experience and and uh, they'll be a factor next year I would say probably more about next year. I haven't had a chance to see either one of them this year. It's going to be tough for Zach Dean because he was actually injured at Vegas camp, so he hasn't played a ton in the queue this year. Waz had an interesting career because he was picked first in the queue draft, and yeah. things didn't really seem to work out for him in St. John. He'd actually asked for a trade out, and it was kind of surprisingly public in his criticism of the Sea Dogs organization. It was kind of buried in some of the French media once he got traded to Sherbrooke, but obviously he's been leading that team. If you look at Sherbrooke this year, you're probably surprised as to why they're tops in the queue when you look at their stats, but they, they've been getting it done. 14-2-1 record in games decided by two goals or less. That's a big part of that. No other team in the league has 10, 10 wins in games that are decided by under two goals. So Waugh certainly leading that team on his back, and maybe we're not really appreciating how good he's become in the Maritimes because we haven't seen him since he was traded out of St. John, or at least we have it in Cape Breton. So probably, to me, would have the better shot of the two, but I think with both of those guys, it's probably more a case of you looking to see what they can do at 19. You know, Again, we're just happy that Zach Dean's you know, playing and having a productive season after having that injury earlier. Gatineau is uh, certainly happy that he's uh, back, and I guess he's not back now because he's going to try out for Team Canada. But I'd say both of those guys that more often or more likely will be 19-year-olds, but hey, you never know. It's uh, the way the last few years have gone. It, competition has been so unusual because of, there's so many things that have been restricted. So we'll see. Hopefully those guys can make a good impression for next year, if not this year. Well, I know Oilers fans are excited about uh, Xavier Borgo, who you, you talked about earlier. Hendricks Lapierre, who uh, spent a, a good chunk of time at the start of the season with the Washington Capitals in the NHL club. I would expect a guy who was playing in the NHL earlier this season to be a big factor here for Canada. Is he going to be the go-to guy out of the queue, at least with the forwards? Yeah, in theory, he could be. He got off to a bit of a slow start in Bathurst, which was odd. He didn't score in his first four games. An odd note about Hendricks Lapierre, he's the only Quebec-born player on the T-10, which is 
pretty much unheard of in the QMJHL for a team to have that little Quebec representation. But obviously they were really happy to have him back. And I think his game is, is coming back into form. We kind of saw that, unfortunately, in those two routes over the weekend when we played Bathurst. So I would say once his game kind of comes together, it might be coming together at the right time. And like you said, NHL experience, he scored in his first game with Washington. You'd have to think that uh, he, he has the best chance among the forwards. But I would say I like Bork as well. Just, you know, he's a leader there in winning it. And Cormier on the back end, too. So, But of the forwards, I'd say it'd be Lapierre and Bork would be the two two guys kind of leading the charge, but it's always tough to, to gauge, you know, versus the other leagues. And we haven't seen these guys play each other a lot, but those would be my uh, projections for the most likely to challenge for a roster spot. It'll be fun to watch for sure. It always used to be a, a mainstay. There'd be a goalie from the queue uh, on the world junior team. It seemed like that for, geez, must've been a decade, decade and a half, maybe two decades. Uh, it, but it hasn't been the case here. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of the last uh, Quebec major junior hockey league goaltender that was the, the number one guy. You, you probably know him. Maybe it wasn't as long ago as it feels like to me, but uh, are you surprised that there's uh, maybe that position's uh, been a bit of a struggle here uh, as of late for the Q? It has been uh, to a degree, and it's interesting too because you know a lot of the slack from Quebec-born players have been picked up from the Maritimes, and we haven't really seen elite goaltending coming into the Maritimes either. There's actually a lot of discussions in the province of Quebec. There's a lot of committees being formed. I know Jocelyn Thibault is heavily involved in a, about getting the number of NHL players up from the province of Quebec and goaltending is certainly, I wouldn't say it's been bad, but it's certainly declined on the national level. I know the number of import goaltenders has risen. There's four in the queue this year, which is the most that we've seen since the band came in. And there's a couple of other guys who are quasi imports like Noah Patnode is actually going to team Switzerland's camp, but he's not an import in the queue because he has dual citizenship. So you have stories like that too. Hmm. So yeah, it is definitely something that we're not seeing those spectacular goaltenders that we saw in the past. I think part of that might be goaltenders in Quebec used to not have a choice, but to develop but because the, so the league was just so offensive minded. And now that the queue has come in line with the other two leagues, you're not seeing like the ridiculous numbers that you saw, you know, in the, in the Mario Lemieux era, so to speak. Now that the league is back more in line with the other two leagues, you have to focus on developing goaltenders the same way that they would in the other parts of the country. So that's, you know, something that the, the brain trusts and hockey Quebec are, are trying to figure out. But yeah, it is, it has been an interesting trend because that used to be just such a given that you'd see some star studded goaltenders from Quebec. And it's not really the case so much goaltending. You don't really have those star goalies in the queue this year, but maybe that could be just an aberration. We'll see if that changes down the road. You mentioned Ivan, Ivan for the Czechs and uh, Kuznetsov for the Russians. Uh, and you touched on a couple of other guys as well. Is there someone you haven't mentioned yet that you expect to be playing for a European uh, or an American? I guess, no, the Americans have their list out. I don't think there was anybody from the queue uh, that's invited to camp, but uh, some impact players from around the queue. Yeah, it's interesting because for whatever reason, the QMJHL just hasn't really, really been able to tap into that uh, U.S. market. As I said, I think uh, Spashek for the Czechs, I'm assuming he's going to be on their roster. There's not a ton there because for whatever reason, the, the Q doesn't have those uh, star imports. And I think some of it has to do with there's a lack of, of Russians in the league this year because mm. usually that's been uh, you know a, a strong suit for the QMJHL is attracting that strong Russian players. But yeah, you know, there are some guys I mentioned that there's five guys that have been invited to the Swiss camp. So that'll be interesting to watch. And it mentioned that Noah Patton is not uh, actually an import in the queue, nor is Vincent Depont, who also plays for the St. John Sea Dogs, another Swiss Canadian dual citizen. I'm not sure what the impact Louis Robin is going to have on the Swiss team. He's uh, invited from uh, Ramuski. Interesting story there. Theo Rochette is one of the top 10 scorers in the queue. He's also a dual citizen, but it looks like he wants to play for Canada. 
as opposed to Switzerland. So the, the impact is a bit limited. Now, just to go back, uh, circle back on Rochette, that was uh, quite the coup for Shakutami in his draft year because it wasn't discovered that he was eligible for the Q draft until about a week before. And then he ended up going in the first round. And some people thought, well, maybe there'll be a situation like uh, Pat Norday-Pont where he decides to play for Switzerland internationally, but looks like he, he wants to play for Hockey Canada. But yeah, not going to be uh, the star import representation that we've seen in the past. I might be forgetting somebody off the top of my head, but I don't expect to, to see the big names like we've seen. You know, in Cape Breton a couple of years ago, we were very excited when Igor Sokolov was second in the league, and he was a big part of that Russian team that, the, yeah. unfortunately for him, lost to Canada in the gold medal final, but not as much so this year in terms of the big names internationally. Well, Patrick, terrific uh, rundown on what's happened so far in the queue and uh, who to watch for at the World Junior Championship, especially with Canada. Thank you very much for your time, sir. We'll uh, do this again. All right. Appreciate it, Guy, and have a good time covering the rest of the season. There's Patrick McNeil, good friend of the Pipeline Show and a uh, terrific broadcaster out of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. His thoughts on what's happened in the queue so far and those eight players who are in Calgary now uh, looking to earn a spot on Canada's World Junior team. They are going to play, and by they I mean uh, Canada's U-20 uh, camp rosters. They will take on the U-sports teams, and that's going to help determine who advances in the camp and uh, who ends up making this team. The games are scheduled for December 11th at uh, 6 p.m. Alberta time, uh, Mountain Time, and December 12th at 2 p.m. So Saturday and Sunday this weekend, we'll get to see the U-sports uh, All-Stars taking on Canada's national junior team. And a player who's involved in that game from the U-Sports side, he's going to join me next. It's Riley Sachuk, former Tri-City American, former Edmonton Oil King, now a standout at Mount Royal playing for the Cougars. Let's get to know Riley next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Second round pick of the Colorado Avalanche. Over to Gutman, to Savoy, and he's got a hat trick. Start throwing the hats. Give up the $24 hat. Throw it on the ice for Carter Savoy. This is Carter Savoy from the Sherd Park Crusaders, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Alberta Junior Hockey League champions, the Spruce Grove Saints, are back and welcoming fans to the Grant Fuhrer Arena for the 2021-22 season. A community-minded Junior A hockey organization offering affordable family entertainment. Tickets to big league hockey at affordable family rates range from $9 to $15 with free parking and some of the best food and drink specials in town. For more information on tickets and how you can become a partner, go to sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. I got a bad feeling about this. Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. The program brought to you by Alberta's best beef jerky. That's Wilhock Beef Jerky at wilhockbeefjerky.com. And you don't have to be in Alberta to get it. If you're in Western Canada, any order, any size, anywhere, they will ship it to you. Vacuum sealed, fresh on delivery, and absolutely delicious. That's wilhockbeefjerky.com. We're going to talk a little U Sports hockey. Uh, with uh, my next guest, who was a uh, former member of the Tri-City Americans and ended his WHL career with the Edmonton Oil Kings, uh, now uh, playing with the uh, with the uh, Mount Royal Cougars. And, uh, of course, his name is uh, Riley Sanchek. Uh, Riley, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? 
I'm good. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing terrific. I appreciate you being available like this. I know uh, busy time of year, I guess. Well, maybe you get the holiday break now, right? From the hockey, the hockey teams uh, kind of hung it up for the next month, correct? Yes, for sure. A few finals coming up, but hockey's hockey's pretty much wrapped up here, except for these few games this weekend, and uh, should be good for the holiday break. Yeah. Now the games you're talking about, we'll get to in a minute, but they're the uh, games you get to play. Uh, representing U Sports against uh, Team Canada during their training camp preparing for the World Junior Championship. But uh, when it comes to the Cougars, uh, things look like they're going pretty well for you and the team this year. You're second in, in team scoring right now, but uh, lighting it up. Uh, did you expect to have this much success this earlier in, in your U Sports career? Um, honestly, not really, no. I I thought, like, well, I knew it would be a big jump coming from the WHL to U Sport hockey, and it's it is a big jump, bigger, faster, stronger guys, older guys in the league. And it is, it is really good hockey. And, uh, I was, I was fortunate enough to be put on a line with a former teammate, Nolan Remco. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, we ended up, uh, having a little bit of chemistry from playing together in Tri-City. And, uh, I, I think that's, that's got me off to a good start, just being able to play with him and, uh, go from there. Yeah. It's funny when I look at the Cougars roster, it's just it's WHL guys all over. I mean, it seems like if I went up and down, they might every one of them might be former WHL guys. I'd have to go through each one individually, but yeah. it's it's great. Even though you may not have played with a lot of these guys when you were in the dub, you played with or against a lot of them, and they'd be familiar faces. And then you get Nolan, who, as you mentioned, was a teammate of yours. It's uh, you know a, a yeah. different team. It's a step up in a different league, but it's a lot of familiarity as well. Yeah, for sure. That's that's got to be comfortable for a player to to go into a situation like that, even though it's new. That there's uh, you know a lot of guys that you still recognize and and uh, some teammates, former guys. Yeah, no, for sure. And even some guys back from my hometown, like Ethan Renier, hmm. we grew up together, and he played in the WHL for a few teams, and now now we're line or not line mates, but playing on the same team together, and it's kind of nice to be able to drive home for Christmas together and. It's, I don't know, the familiar face is good. I know uh, you're one of 365 WHLers uh, making use of their scholarship package right now. At what point in your WHL career did U Sports really come into focus where you thought, I don't know, you know, if, if you're 15 years old before you got into the dub, I don't know if U Sports was a goal of yours or not. Uh, but when did it start to become something that you thought uh, would work for you? Um, for me, it was a little later on in my career, I think. Every young WHL player has one focus, and that's playing professional hockey, signing an NHL contract. Mm-hmm. And for me, it kind of came into focus when uh, my uh, Edmonton Oil Kings career was ending when COVID kind of hit, and nothing was really going on with sport at the time. And so I was I was kind of forced to make a decision, and that's when I thought it'd be a good idea to pursue school and use my scholarship. Why uh, Mount Royal? Why was that the right program for you? Um, I I didn't want to be too far away from home, but I I don't know. I, I liked being away from home a little bit, but close enough that I could still drive home, see my family, and they'd be able to come see me. And just being in a bigger city, I, I enjoyed that. And uh, I did have, obviously, Nolan Remco here. He was, a, he was a big influence on me coming here. We were pretty good buddies. And so I, I think that would have to be the biggest reason. So Nolan recruited you almost. 
<laughs> Pretty much, yeah. He was the one who reached out to me in the first place, asking me if I'd if I'd be interested in coming here. So, oh, that's good. Tell me a little bit about the how the scholarship package works. For I know how it works, but some of the people listening to this right now might not know all the ins and outs. Um, how much are you like? How, what does it do for you? How are you using making use of the scholarship to to kind of make uh, going to school a little easier? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like every. Every class you take is paid for through the WHL. So you you obviously get all your classes paid for, all your textbooks paid for. So all those expenses are covered. And then the majority, pretty much every WHL player that comes to U Sport that plays, they get an extra uh, funding on top of their scholarship. Usually whatever your tuition costs, they uh, match that price. And you get that just to use for rent, groceries, food, whatever it is. So wow. it's it's pretty helpful. Wow, that's outstanding. So uh, you know, compared to a regular student who is going to have loans and stuff like that, you, you're going to wrap up your time at Mount Royal. You might not have all those uh, fees that you're going to have to pay back all those those loans. Yeah, some anyway. I mean, some guys like to spend a little more, so some <laughs> guys still have been taking out a few loans, but uh, it, it definitely helps a lot. Oh, that's fantastic! And how how big of a step of is the hockey. I mean, it's it's kind of an extension of the WHL, isn't it? But these are guys who are WHL-level players, but now they're three, four years further in their development. Yeah, I mean, it's it's extremely good hockey. Like I said, like bigger, faster, older, stronger. It's it's almost the same hockey, just just older. I'd say like there's there's tons of skill. It's it's gritty. It's the only unfortunate part is you're not allowed to fight in this league. Uh, which I think a lot of guys wish there was fighting. But um, other than that, like I think um, maybe another thing is just the the rinks we play in here might not be as big and fancy as in the WHL, but it's it's in these little little rinks, which makes the game seem a lot faster when you're watching it and playing it, which is nice. Riley Sachek from Mount Royal and former member of the Tri-City Americans, the Edmonton Oil Kings, he's my guest here uh, on the Pipeline Show. Uh, let's go back to your WHL days for a second. Three years spent in Kennewick, Washington, and and uh, the final season here in Edmonton, where I am, uh, with the Oil Kings. Unfortunate the way things wrapped up. No playoffs. I mean, the Oil Kings were a contending team, and have that taken away from you at the end of your WHL career. Uh, what stands out for you when you look back at your maybe? Let's start with Tri City in your three years there. Um, I think just the groups of guys I, I got the uh, opportunity to play with and. Uh, just overall, my billet family that I was able to live with there, they were, uh, extremely well for me and did everything for me. I loved them a lot. I still talk to them to this day. And, uh, yeah, I think the hockey was obviously great there. Met a lot of new people and the experience living in the States was, it was a really good experience. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. I mean, you're Prince Albert, Saskatchewan guy. And unless you're playing for the PA Raiders, you're, I mean, there's a pretty good chance you're having to move away from home, but not only <laughs> away from home, but out of the country. Uh, when you're 16 years old and, and moving to the States, that might be a little intimidating uh, at, at times. Uh, what was it like when you first moved down there? Uh, it was good. Uh, like, I don't know. I was obviously pretty nervous off the start moving yeah. to a different country. That was actually my first time on an airplane as well. So that was... That was a little nerve wracking, but uh, once I once I got to know the guys and everything, it ended up being 
it was it was a great experience. Uh, and finishing it up in uh, in Edmonton with the Oil Kings, as I mentioned, joining a, a team near the peak of their cycle, and and you're coming in as an overage player and being one of those guys to help them push them over the top. Uh, what what stands out when you reflect on that season in Edmonton? Uh, I think obviously a huge part was just being able to experience playing in Rogers Place and uh, the same rink as the Oilers. Obviously a very cool experience, and then uh, just just being on that contending team and being able to uh, help out with that and then playing on a line with uh, neighbors and Gunther and having success with them. I, I think that was a really cool experience and uh, would do anything to go back there and relive those days. <laughs> well, and this weekend you get to play against those two as uh, Jake neighbors and, and Dylan Gunther will be with team Canada and uh, you're getting to suit up with, I think, what is it? Five of your uh, Mount Royal teammates. And I know there's like eight golden bears that are going it's the U Sports All Star yeah. team uh, here in Alberta against the Team Canada. That's got to be a thrill for you. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I was I was talking to Luke Pierce the other day, assistant coach of the Oil Kings, and he was he was just telling me that he he hopes I don't pass the puck to neighbors and Gunther, thinking I'm <laughs> on their line again. And <laughs> I, I kind of realized the same thing. But I mean, it would be be nice to get back together with them, and it'll be nice to see them again. So. Was this a, 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 an opportunity that uh, has been on your radar for a while, or did you just get a call in the last week or so? How did that all come together? Uh, well, no, last year last year our team was supposed to get the opportunity to play against uh, the World Junior team, and with COVID, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, nothing happened with that. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know, it was about a week, week and a half ago I got a call from well, it was actually our our head coach at Mount Royal is coaching this team, so he was the one who reached out and gave me the opportunity. So I was really fortunate for that. Nice. Well, kind of like a backup goaltender, always pushing the starting goaltender to get better and things like that. Uh, in this situation, you can't represent Canada, but you can help Team Canada get better. Uh, and uh, you know, if they go on to have success, maybe you take a little feel a little responsibility for that. Yeah, no, for sure. That's that's one thing we talked about. Like. They're they're going to be hard games and it'll be a good good fight for us and overall it'll be nice if they win a gold medal because you never know we might have had a part in helping them make that team and uh, yeah exactly that's the way to look at it well Riley I, I yeah. well, wish you the best of luck this weekend against Team Canada and and uh, for you and the Cougars the rest of the way this year this was fun thanks for doing this yeah thank you I appreciate it hey there's a former Edmonton Oil King former Tri City American and uh, now. Forward with the Mount Royal Cougars in Canada West play of uh, U Sports in the conference and uh, having a terrific season. That's Riley Sawchuk. And uh, looking forward to seeing how he performs this weekend against Canada's national junior team. That's got to be exciting for guys like that. Gets to play against some former teammates. That's pretty cool. See Dylan Gunther and Jake Neighbors uh, coming at him now instead of uh, him centering those two on uh, what was a pretty deadly line. And with that, that means it's a cleanup time here on the Pipeline Show. Reminder, you get your bidet from hellotushy.com slash pipeline. That gives you an automatic 10% off. It's the best purchase you'll uh, give somebody this uh, Christmas. Well, it might be too close to Christmas to actually get it in time now. But uh, once you've used a bidet, you don't go back. That's for sure. It'll save you a ton of money on toilet paper. It's just it's so much better for you. It's better for your wallet as well. So uh, stop wiping and start washing your butt. HelloTushy.com slash Pipeline. Next week on the program, as the World Junior gets closer and closer, have uh, some confirmed 
guests already, but I don't want to jinx it until they're actually uh, in the can, as we say. Those interviews are done and uh, locked up and ready to go. But a couple of uh, high-profile media members who are going to join me to talk about Canada's camp, as well as uh, Sweden, what they've now named as their team, also have confirmed dates to, to speak with guests to uh, talk about Team Russia and Team Finland and uh, Team USA as well. A couple of players that uh, I'm uh, trying to line up, one for Team Slovakia, but uh, that one not confirmed yet. But of course, a lot of focus, obviously, this time of year on the World Junior Championship. So a look for that next week here on the Pipeline Show. But between now and then, lots of great junior and college hockey to watch. I hope you have a chance to take in some of those games in person so that you and I can talk about it next week here on the Pipeline Show. Until then, everybody, this has been the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. My name's Keith Flaming. See ya.